Hello and welcome to episode 51 of The Worst Critics, where we'll, we will talk to you about the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movies, music, TV, and more. As always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Peanut. And we will get to some really uh, divisive news, maybe? The stars produced John Wick prequel miniseries The Continental, Continental cast Colin Woodle as its lead and Mel Gibson as an original character. Uh, we all just love Mel Gibson. We, we? we totally love Mel and his um, divisive opinions, let's say. that uh, he, he once claimed that a certain group of people were responsible for all wars in the world. Uh, you know, you, if you don't remember that or recall that, you can definitely Google it and have a good time reading that uh, whatever translation that the cop gave. We have a new Helen Keller biopic in the works titled Helen and Teacher. It will star Quiet Place uh, main actress Millicent Simmons and Rachel Brosnahan, who you might know from Marvelous Miss Maisel. Uh, you know, it's I, I hope it's not going to fall into the trap of being a biopic and being Oscar bait and, you know, not being too great, but... Uh, I would imagine oh. it does fall into those, but it still has the potential to be really good. One, it is classic biopic garbage of, like, they take a really famous historical figure and probably not tell a very, like, liberal Hollywood take on that character or person. Because... Um, I don't know for many listeners that actually know much about Helen Keller, but like she was like a pretty staunch like Marxist socialist, and like, <laughs> which is funny for you know a fucking blind deaf person to really get into that. Um, but like she had like several um, publications and like a lot of these like you know kind of far left publications in the United States. So it'll be interesting to see how they talk about that kind of stuff. But if they will, a, a, the casting. Pretty dope. So I, I don't have low expectations for it. Yeah, uh, who knows? I, you know, I have low expectations, so we will see. Moving on, Amelia Clark, Michael Shannon, and Dane DeHaan are set to star in a new Joseph McCarthy biopic with Michael Shannon to play the titular role of Joseph McCarthy. Uh, speaking of communism. Uh... <laughs> nice. Good post segue. Uh, yeah, you know, if you, if you don't know, Joseph McCarthy's not behind the Red Scare, but he was one of the driving forces in the Red Scare back in the 50s or so. Uh, you know, everybody's a communist, or everybody who disagrees with you is probably a communist. It's a fact. Moving on, Danny DeVito joins the cast of the Haunted Mansion reboot we've been talking about for weeks. He will join as a character described as a smug professor. Uh, he is joining Lakeith Stanfield, Tiffany Haddish, Owen Wilson, and is, somebody is else, but I don't know. Danny DeVito, obviously. Um <laughs> Is uh is the haunted mansion kind of our new gimmick of um, Knives Out two where the cast just keeps growing and keeps getting better and you're like there's no way that this is for this project right yeah next week we'll talk about how uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, uh, I don't know Jason Bateman and they all join the cast of haunted mansion you know so I have a random segue that's not particularly news related but I said Knives Out and I had this epiphany while on the toilet yesterday. Um, that's when you think about Knives Out that's where I get all my great epiphanies Um, I was thinking about the death of the movies Um, actually specifically what it was I was listening to the Dak Shepard podcast um, Armchair General or Armchair Expert excuse me um, and Ron Howard was on and they were talking about the movies and they're talking about how um, 
like TV's out taking movie, but but this isn't like the first time that this has happened, and it's largely driven by like the streaming industry. And both of them were pretty much like, no, this is cool. Like we're happy that the future's moving this way. It just means that I think Ron Howard's direct quote was something like, "Movies will be a kind of hard cover book." And most people are just going to prefer to buy it on their Kindle or get a paperback and not necessarily get the, you know, hardcover copy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so with that, I was kind of like, really the only movies I can see that people are still going to continue going to the movies as it's just been the trend are these huge, like, monsters of movies where the cast is just like, there's so many iconic stars that you just feel compelled to go watch it and so that's things like insert every marvel movie and i think the marvel movies are the reason for this big transition outside of like the growth of streaming i think the marvel movies help push it in that direction for sure smaller budget films are like you know why am i going to spend 30 bucks on that um but also things like knives out where it doesn't seem like it's this huge mega production but then you look at something like the cast and you're just like oh my god there's just a zillion people so um i think this haunted mansion thing could actually work out just because it falls into that category of like mega thing that not, won't necessarily get hurt. Whereas like the last duel, for example, big ish cast, but really it was a big movie without the big cast. And so it's like, you know, I mean, d- yes, did it have a good cast? Sure. But was it what knives out was not, not even close. Well, I, you know, I, my theory on the movie or the, sorry, the, the movies dying, um, is that, you're only going to, I mean, like you said, I think really we're only going to go for experiences because, you know, the new, the Halloween kills movie that made a lot of money this weekend. So in Marvel movies, they're making money. And then Disney family movies, they're making money because, you know, you're taking the family to the movies. So the movies is going to be less about going to see a movie and more just being at the movies now, now that we have other options, because I think we've learned that you know, the movies aren't exactly the best experience to watch some movies or uh, not exactly sanitary to just be in a room with a hundred other people just breathing in and out and breathing their air yeah. and all that. So I don't know. It's going to be uh, really weird to see the next couple of years. And if, if the movie theaters get back to what they were, you know, pre COVID and I mean, obviously old people are not really loving the movies right now because I think that's what the last duel banked on. Because Jesus, that's a that's an old man movie, and I don't think any old men went to see that movie. So there you have it. Moving on to some new TV movie announcements: David Gordon Green, who directed the new Halloween Kills movie, is to direct a movie about the making of Disneyland. I assume it's just going to be about Walt Disney just having an epiphany and being like, you know, how much money I could make, and then we'll get a biopic or what have you. I I don't know, not really interested. Speaking of Disney, though. Disney is to make a movie based around Merlin's pre-Arthurian years. It's going to be based on a series of books that, I don't know, uh, I think it's like YA novels kind of, or kids' novels, but they were just, it's about young Merlin pretty much. Uh, Michael Matthews is set to direct. I'm not really familiar with his work, but if you know the name, I guess you'll know. Moving on, Apple TV's, sorry, Apple TV cast Common alongside Rebecca Ferguson, Tim Robbins, Rashida Jones, and David Oyelowo. In their new show based on a trilogy of books, Wool, it tells the story of an underground civilization that thinks the world above is uninhabitable. Apparently, they live in a giant silo, and it just is like hundreds of feet underground. Uh, I don't know. It sounds kind of typical for me. 
does it does sound typical it falls into that like divergent hunger gamesy um there's a third one in that kind of like YA wasn't like, there an apocalyptic... under, underground YA like, I think it was literally like, it was like divergent I think was the one that was really similar to that um city of ember or so, city of City of Ember yeah. or something, yeah. But it, it, it kind of sounds like that. So I'm hoping that, one, this takes a more adult thing just because it's like A24 Apple TV. You'd hope. And Common and, is involved. Yeah. But also just, um, I don't know, the casting's interesting enough that, like, um, I mean, Rashida Jones, probably enough to get me sold on it. But, you know, it, yeah. it, it just, it, it could be really interesting. It could be really interesting, depending on especially, like, what kinds of takes. Um, like, what's the reason why they're under why do they think it's uninhabitable you know is it like a racial thing is it like a sci-fi I think thing it's, yeah i think it's uh toxic gases up above like post-nuke apocalypse mm-hmm. kind of so you know I'm, I'm just curious to see rashida jones branch out into more uh dramatic efforts because you know i, I think a lot of people know her from her comedic roles and sitcoms and such and that one show uh angie trebecca on TBS, like that's another comedy she was in. So, you know, I, I I'm curious to see how her acting chops will transfer. You know, I always be down to see an actor try new things. So, you know, and Tim Robbins, never he's never not bad. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, moving on, talking about more Apple TV shows. Meryl Streep and Kit Harington have joined Apple TV's new anthology show, Extrapolations. The show will tell interconnected stories about the upcoming changes to the planet that will affect love, faith, work, and family. And yes, it means global warming. Climate change. Right. Sorry, sorry. Climate change. I'm so sorry. I I, I went Al Gore there for a second. Climate change. Got it. But Um, uh, yeah. I just, I'm curious if it'll talk about Man Bear Pig at all or how we're going to get that (laughs) really tied in. I, I'm really curious how they do this. I, I think there is room for this, of course, but, you know, I, I do see this falling flat hard. Like, I just feel like why get Kit Harrington and Meryl Streep when you can just get David Attenborough or his brother Are we to do it j- better? Just do a voiceover of it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think this is going to be fictional. I so. know, it's an anthology series, I get it. But why not just do the thing that's better version of that. Like, I, I can't imagine that a climate change-based anthology series is better than, like, a Earth series-style docu-series. You know what I mean? But just, like, dramatize. You know what I mean? Like, you can do, um, what was that? Day After Tomorrow movie-style, like, uh, CG time lapses and things like that. Like, you don't have to dramatize climate change like i don't know it feels like a weird way to go about it because like it seems like like who's who's gonna watch that show it's gonna be people who understand that climate change is a thing yeah but maybe don't necessarily know like all the different possibilities or just like want to explore what that future might look like it's not going to be climate change deniers you know what i mean right so people who already know about climate change why do they want to like view the hardships like it's not going to this show isn't going to motivate people to do more because the people who are watching it probably already feel like they do enough and understand that like it's largely like 
you know, 50 companies. Big corpo, <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I just, I, I don't really know what the purpose of the show is except to be like devastating emotionally, which seems confusing to just have that be the sole premise of the Well, show. see, I'm mostly worried about the whole interconnected thing. I really hope that's just, they're talking about themes and not story because they're I don't going think. Cloud Atlas. Oh, man. I just, I just don't think that's how anthologies really work. I mean, there's not really. It's kind of the opposite, but what? Whatever. I guess if it's whatever. like if it's like an anthology following, like let's say it's like set in London, and it's just like a bunch of stories happening in London, as opposed to like an anthology series that like goes around the world, like oh, this is Miami now underwater, and this is what London looks like when it gets no rain, and this is fucking Malaysia like under sea, and just like all kinds of you know, like this is the California on fire, <laughs> you know. Right. When the San Andreas Fall opens up, California is its own country. Yeah, exactly. I know what you're talking about. It's its own island. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of incoming disasters in the near future, Indiana Jones (laughs) 5 set pictures have revealed that there will be Roman centurions and possibly time travel. Uh, This is alongside the new Indiana Jones 5, by the way. What I say. Indiana Jonah, <laughs> whatever Indiana Jonah five, you get it. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna have time travel and it's also delayed to summer twenty twenty three. So all indie Dick. fans will be dead by the time that comes out. Uh, I don't know who this is for. I don't know time Woody travel. Harrelson. I mean, Woody Harrelson, huh? Uh, what's his goddamn name? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, thank you. Woody Harrelson Ford. <laughs> Woody Harrelson. But uh, yeah, it's for Harrison Ford. It's all it's for. It's I mean, the man's a lot of money. the man's ancient, so I don't see him doing you know a lot of Indiana Jones things unless they de-age him and get another actor, yada yada. Uh, you know, I could definitely see that. But I I don't know, man. I guess this movie does have the rare luxury of that the one before it was so damn bad that they just have to be like a little better, you know. Four was what so critically hated and audiences hated it, so it's just it has room to be, I guess, at least okay, you know. So if it's okay, people are gonna like it more than what they actually would. Whatever. Moving on to another reboot news: Rachel Weiss will star in a reboot of Seance on a Wet Afternoon. Uh, I only talk about this because the plot of this old movie, I think, like way old movie uh, that I've never seen before, but the plot is a woman convinces her husband to kidnap a girl so that yeah. she can seance or, you know, perform a seance or whatever and help police find the girl. Sounds right. pretty great. Right. And achieve, you know, like it's all about her establishing like credibility and fame as a, as a psychic or a medium. It, it's a foolproof plan. It probably worked out just fine in the movie. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's great. Yeah, I'm sure she's nice and famous and rich at the end of that. Happy ending for everybody. I can already. Mm-hmm. I can already imagine it. Uh, moving on into <clears throat> the Spider Verse Two is officially titled Across the Spider Verse. Ha ha! You get it. It's clever, right? You get it. You get it. Nudge, yeah. nudge, wink, wink. You get it. Okay. Moving awesome. on to some more superhero news. Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot are back for Wonder Woman 3. Can we stop with Wonder Woman? We yeah, I mean, it. we should. After 84, we should stop. We really should. But, uh, but it nope. made a zillion dollars, so it won't. But Did it make a zillion dollars? I don't know about that one, because that was the weird period of movies not making money, and that was on HBO Max. So I mean, it grossed 166 
million worldwide during COVID. I guess that's okay. And that's, that's when it became, like, then it went, because it was straight to streaming, right? Yeah, yeah. So it had limited theatrical release straight to streaming. So you have to imagine that the streaming revenue alone made up the difference of the, whatever, 40 million from the budget. It was the most watched straight to streaming movie of 2020. Yeah, I don't think there were ton. Well, whatever, whatever. Moving. I mean, I just didn't care. That was a really bad movie. 84 was really bad. Uh, Moving on to some more HBO Max news. What? No, no, no. So this is the sequel, Wonder Woman 3 with Jenkins and Gadot. But there's also a spinoff produced by Jenkins about the Amazons of I don't know if that's I don't know if that's actually coming out because that was announced alongside James Wan's Aquaman spinoff, The Deep, and that got canceled. So I just assume the Amazonians got canceled too. Just okay. a guess. I don't know if that's official at all, but if a James oh, that's just what the interns turned into me, they oh, handed me the sticky note, and I was reading from it, so. Oh, yeah, we can definitely blame them. But I just see, uh, since James Wan usually makes money at the box office, whereas, you know, Patty Jenkins, I mean, it hasn't really proven it, but James Wan always kind of does pretty much at least every other movie he's making bank. Uh, You know, I just don't see that happening anymore. But who knows? Who knows? We might get that. Moving on to some more HBO Max news. HBO Max is apparently talking about a Sopranos prequel show because the movie was so good. You remember, you liked that movie, John, right? Many Saints in New York? So good, dude. <laughs> I heard it was so good. It was so, pleasure, bro. Pleasure. Pretty sure it's pleasure. our uh, movie of the year. Uh, and enough it's of that. There. Enough of that bit. Uh, if you want to hear our thoughts on it, you can watch last week's. Was that last week's episode? No, it was two weeks ago uh, where we absolutely hated that movie and it wasn't any good. Moving sure. on, on to our last piece of news. Mythic Quest has been renewed for a third and fourth season over at Apple TV. This is, of course, that comedy sitcom based on a video game developer. Rob McLemurney. However you say his last name, because we can't get it right ever. McLehenny. (laughs) McLehenny, I don't know. I think it's McLemurney. McLehenny? You know, it could be McLehenny or something. Uh, Who knows? Um, Also, what's the preacher's name? Uh, Rickety Cricket. Rickety Cricket, or he was a priest, actually, not a preacher. Rickety whatever. Cricket. Whatever. I'm, whatever. Nah. Nah. <laughs> they don't deserve the differences. Makes it funnier. Um, either way, uh, it's them. And did you watch that show ever, actually? I watched the first episode, and I said, meh. So. Yeah. I, I'll put it this way. If you are someone who likes and or knows about video games at all, uh, specifically, if you've ever played like an RPG, you're probably not going to like that TV show. If you think that It's Always Sunny is funny, but you don't really have too much experience with video games, you'll probably think it's really, really funny. But my issue was like a lot of the video game culture stuff was like just really cringe. But I think a lot of people who didn't know about video games just thought it was hilarious. You know, so I don't know. Like, because like I told you, there's like a 13 year old boy is like the big streamer that they're trying to cater and pander to for their game. Right. But it's, his whole gimmick is like poop and fart sounds. And I'm like, that's not totally wrong, but it also is like, like that's not who like the most popular streamer is in real life. That's like, you know what I mean? Like that would be like at worst, like the most cringe Minecraft streamer or something. But even most Minecraft streamers are like 30 year old men, yeah, you know, honestly, it's like, yeah. 
so I just I was like I don't really know who this is trying to make fun of or like make a caricature of, but if anything, it's just like talking shit about the video game companies, and I'm like, that's also doing it wrong because then you'd have to sexually assault like hundreds of women. <laughs> <laughs> hey oh, jeez, um, too soon maybe. I don't know about that. But, uh, you know, the, it really doesn't surprise me all your criticisms uh, because Ubisoft co-produced this show, and if you know anything about video games, Ubisoft is. It never has its finger on the zeitgeist. You know what I'm saying. It's always a little behind. Yeah, yeah, so uh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, That's actually the end of the news, if you want to take it away with album releases. I sure don't, but I will anyway. So, Well, you um, have to. All 45-year-old musicians, uh, specifically male musicians in my experience, uh, should start applauding now. Uh, And everyone's stepdad as well, because Dream Theater is coming out with a new album. Uh, It's called A View from the Top of the World. Um, and speaking of people that only old people like, uh, Duran Duran and Elton John both have new albums coming out. Uh, Duran Duran's Future Pass is their 15th album. And uh, the Lockdown Sessions, it's a collaboration Elton John thing that I'm sure is going to have everybody under the fucking sun on it. Um, Lil Nas X. I mean, it's Dua Lipa, it's Young Thug, it's Nicki Minaj, it's Charlie Pluth, it's Six Slack, it's Gorillaz, it's Miley Cyrus, it's fucking Lil Nas X, it's Stevie Wonder, it's Stevie Nicks. I mean, it's everybody in the world who's ever been on the radio. Have we gone too far? Three years. Have we gone too far? (laughs) No. I'm waiting for that Fallout Boy, uh, Elton John, second thing. I, I don't even remember. I've blocked that out of it's my fine. memory yep. bank. It's fine. We'll go on. Um, also, uh, JPEG Mafia LP is coming out um, called LP! Exclamation point. So nice. that Love should it. be interesting. Uh, the Lana Del Rey postponed from like July or August area. It was like Blue July Bannister. 4th or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, July 4th. Uh, Blue Bannisters. Hopefully, question mark coming out. Hopefully tonight, Maybe. midnight. Um, or I guess Friday, today, uh, when you're listening to this today. Excuse this me? morning, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, the duo uh, Majid Jordan, the Canadian R&B, Sound of OVO, um, Wildest Dreams is coming out. I think this might be their first project. That's had... actually an album? Ah, maybe, yeah. yeah. You know, that line is so blurry these days. Uh, no, it looks like it's their third studio album. I, I lied, I lied. Um, my Morning Jacket, that's the American rock band from Louisville. Um, that's pretty popular. Um, I think a lot of people actually didn't know they're from Louisville, as far as I know, but they're pretty popular, and it's just they're going to be there self-titled. Um, Rufus, Del- Rufus Dussol, Dussol, Dussol. It's like that Australian... Um, they do, like... what's a, What genre is that? It's like electronic, technically, or is it, like, dance? I don't know. Somewhere I don't know what you're talking blur. about. You never heard of Rufus to Soul? It's like R U F U S. No. Oh, really? I don't know. I, I maybe I just have a lot of friends that like electronic music, or something. but it's I don't know. Oh. They're pretty popular, actually. Um, they got a thing coming out. Uh, besides that, really, that's enough. I think that's a lot. Oh, Wale, actually, can't can't leave out my boy my, Wale. Thank um, you. This is. I don't even know if I'm saying this right because I don't even know what it's in like a reference to or like if it's a brand or something but Falarin 2 so i guess he's had a Falarin 1 Falarin yeah is, is it like McLaren or like he's flaring it's it's f o l a r i n Falarin Falarin yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know either you know Falarin um, and the thousand planets or whatever you know yep yep 
Uh, so thanks, Wally, for making me look like an idiot. Uh, Thank you, Wally. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Wally's vegan? I did not, but he seems like the type that might be. So not really surprised. It's kind of surprising. The man's multifaceted, okay? Renaissance man, Wally. That's that's his official title is Renaissance man, so. Actually, maybe I'm misspeaking. Is he vegan? Wow. I might be mixing him up with someone else now that I'm thinking about it. Waka Flocka. Yeah, it might be Waka Flocka. That's who I was actually thinking because I'm like, they're both popular around the same time for us, like in high school, late middle school. They did blow up, I guess, around the same time, yeah. Well, Wally was probably a little before, just a little before, a few years before. She but... said, look, my, no hands. Uh, what'd you do this week, though, huh? Um, I did plenty of stuff, dude. Uh, actually, no cap. Um, okay. Pretty much everything in our little uh, music list, I feel like I added, so... Um, basically three full-length projects. One we'll save for a little bit later, but um, I listened to that Zach Fox album, Shut the Fuck Up, Talking to Me, something like that. Um, and also the full Phineas album. Um, and that Maxo Cream song that you put in there, but I'll let you talk about that one. Uh, so that Zach Fox album, uh, he just needs to stick to funny singles, is all I'll say. I don't know, man. I really dug the album because I listened to it because it's on the playlist. I really See, like I, that. I I don't Short and hate sweet. it. Yeah, I don't hate it, and I do appreciate that it's only like nine songs. You know, it's what twenty minutes or less. Like, yeah, it's not long at all. You can't complain about that aspect to it, but I'm just like, I think it's kind of like the same thing that like Lil Dicky suffers from. You can only have comedic songs for so long in a row before you're kind of like, mm. and like I get it. Like, and not even necessarily all of them were funny. Like, I think. There were bits where he was like a little bit more of a serious, you know, rap verses, but eh, I don't know. I, it wasn't my favorite thing I ever listened to, but it wasn't awful. So, you know, shout out Kenny Beats. I think it's just lighthearted jams. That's more. Yeah. I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't consider it a full fledged album because, mm -hmm. like we said, it's pretty damn short. So I'd really consider it like an EP. I'm not sure how he considers it, but you know, whatever. Um, and then also the Phineas Project, uh, Optimus, uh. I really think you can listen to the first two songs and stop. I don't know if you listen to the whole thing or if you only listen to that one song. No, I listened to the first two songs and stopped. That was pretty accurate, actually. Yeah, it's pretty damn accurate. Because nice. I think that one song is the second song. Uh-huh, the one yeah. that you don't like. Oh, well, it's, it's crazy to me because I skipped through some of the other songs just to skip through. <clears> but it's crazy same. to me how much... Oh, I, I don't even know how to describe it because obviously his, he's going to sound like Billie Eilish, but it literally feels just like Billie Eilish. It just happens to be a guy singing. Well, because you, I mean, I don't know how much you know about their like partnership, but like from what I have seen of it, like obviously they probably would say that it's 50 50, right? You know, between them, but I think it's more like 80 20. Yeah, because that this because album, I think, he it. does a lot of. Maybe he doesn't do like a lot of the writing, writing, but he does a lot of the fixing her writing to become a song. Like I think she writes poems and he makes it music and lyrics, and he does pretty much like all the composing. So like, if you go, oh, that like beat sounds like this, it's like of course because he does all the music, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, I just I, I guess I kind of expected him to be a little different. You know, I, I feel as though he probably knows that fact. You know, he probably knows that he's writing both the albums or you know both people's projects or whatever and he would try to curb that but 
it doesn't seem like he avoided it at all. Uh, even some of the patterns, like of some of the choruses, literally just felt like Billie Eilish songs, and it's it's really weird. It's a weird album. Also, See, my my thing with it is I now after listening to those two songs, excuse me, um, I kind of wish that it was the collab album that we're kind of thinking like DJ Khaled, Benny Blanco style yes, thing. Hundred percent. Instead of what we got, because I would have rather him just helped turn these songs into Billie Eilish songs and just win Grammys from his sister instead of trying to make this solo project that, I don't know, it just sounds like a, like his voice is fine, but it's fine. nothing, yeah. like it just sounds like a normal white male singer. Yep. You know what I mean? 100%. It's not crazy off the charts like fucking Tony Bennett or fucking uh, Sinatra level of like, oh, that that voice is recognizable or right. unique. And it's like Billy. Her voice is so unique and so different than everyone else that you're kind of like, uh, you should have just waited and had your sister sing on it, bro. I I have to agree. I also have to shout out the kids are all dying because what a topical song. Uh, I see, and I'm very it's funny that you don't like it that much, and maybe it's just because you think it's a little cringe. And I think it's very cringe that he's got a pop song about that without any without any imagery. It's just like. Here's literally what he's thinking. There's not, there's nothing to decipher in that song. I, I, okay. That's my that, problem. That's, yeah, I guess that's a look. It's not super creative, at but all. I think the music and the hook is great. So I like, like what he's song. saying. Yeah, sure. But I don't know. Just um, not my thing. Just not my thing. And I haven't watched much TV, but I have finished um, Sex Education finally. And we've moved on to the next show on our list, which is uh, Love on the Spectrum. <laughs> okay. It is such a great show. It okay. is literally the most wholesome show I've ever watched. And every episode, you just like, you're just smiling. It's more just wholesome than Queer Eye and Great British Baking Show? Um, more Cause... wholesome than Queer Eye, yes. Great British Breaking Show is tough because that's a competition show where everyone's cooperative. So that makes that show wholesome. But this is like a very wholesome love dating show, you know, like contra okay. to The Bachelor, which I had been watching previously. Yeah, you know contrary I mean? like, to every dating show ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it is very like, you know, there's there's hints of drama, but the drama is very short lived because I mean, from like, obviously, this shows about autistic people falling in love and a lot of the social awkwardness and stuff is like nipped in the bud because they don't process that very well. So it's like, you know, these people go on a date and there's a little bit of awkwardness because they're nervous, like normal people, you know, and then they sit there and they like talk about why it's awkward because that in and of itself might be awkward for someone else that's not on the spectrum, but you know what I mean? So it's like this whole weird situation that they're like balancing and they kind of go, I don't really like her. And then they call the person and they're like, hey, can we just be friends? And it's like very casual short lived. And the other person's like, yeah. Man. And you're just like, <laughs> so it's like, it's just so wholesome. Um, and then like, you know, when they actually are like falling in love and this one guy, he's like very, um, he he like always requests consent for everything. So he's like, can I hug you? And wow, okay. she's like, she's like, yes. And so then they hug when they're leaving. You know what I mean? And then he's like, oh, can we hold hands? And then they hold hands. And it's just like, it's so cute. 
It's so <laughs> awesome. I love it. It's great. Is that all the TV? Um, I think so. Because I finished Sex Education, but I don't really want to go into it in case you watch it because there you were great know. developments, but I don't want to spoil it. So it is good. Highly recommend. How do you feel season... about the ending of the season? So the ending of the season, um, for the most part, was really good. The only questionable bit was like, I, I've come to the realization about that show that it feels like it's an American show. Mm-hmm. And I think it is. I know, no, I've not looked into it, but just the gut feeling is that like all the producers, the directors, the writers have to be American because there's some British stuff, but like it's not the fucking in-betweeners. It's not the British office. It's not the IT crowd. It's like, or the it crowd, you know, but whatever. It's like there's British humor in there and there's British like mannerisms and certain slang words and things, you know, but I think for the most part, like one of the main jock style characters, he wears like a letterman like all the time. And I'm like, I've never seen a British high school show where they like are constantly wearing lettermans. And then like they do this thing where they like throwing the guy a rugby ball, like it's American football. And he's like, Hey bro, catch you in the game later. The guy's a swimmer. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, that just seems like a very American cliche, like high school musical level. Like, not, just just because you play some sport doesn't mean that you're jock male who, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go play the sports ball, bro. Like, I love sports ball. Like, ugh. and I don't know. There's a few other things, too. I, I forget exactly. But some of like the romance stuff, like, because it's a very open show, too. And it's like pretty modern in terms of like intersex people and people on like the, you know, LGBTQIA kind of spectrum of navigating romance and figuring out like what their sexual preferences are. But then it'll like say something like just super American in that context. And you're just like, Hmm. It's just, it's just weird because like, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it just feels like it's an American high school show with British characters. Okay. Uh, Hopefully it uses an American camera and not a high frame rate British camera. No, not that I've noticed. I don't, I haven't noticed like horrible high rate garbage. Um, because British shows I mean, just love that. Yeah, not that I've been aware of, but maybe it does now that you say that, but I don't think so. Regardless, it's a good show. It's worth watching. Is that uh, what you did for the week? I think so. Because uh, I was just going to talk about the Zach Fox thing, whatever, like that. Uh, then the Maxo Cream. So I listened oh, to yeah. I heard Zach Fox. And I was like, oh, man, him and Maxo Cream should do a song together or something. So I looked up Maxo Cream. He had a single out. But then his album came out literally, cool like, yeah, as I was looking up that song. So I haven't listened to the full album, but from what I can tell, I was going to put it on this week's playlist. Yeah, it's it's a Maxo Cream album. You know, uh, if you if you like his style, then you'll probably really like this album. Uh, that, that's about all I can say musically. But uh, TV show wise, I watched another Batman thing. Not really going to talk about it. Batman Hush, uh, good ending. That's all. That's all I'm going to say really. Uh, and then. I watched the new Aquaman King of Atlantis and it's a mature driven, but kind of kiddie show. It's got kiddie modern art style, but some of the jokes were pretty, I don't know. I think for the generations that have grown up with animated shows such as Chowder and Flapjack and all that. So it's, I don't know who it's for really. Like I I have no idea who it's for. 
and each episode is 45 minutes. So, Wait, what did you say it was called? Um, Aquaman King of Atlantis, I believe. Or something like that. Aquaman. Yeah, some... Aquaman colon King of Atlantis. So yeah, uh, yeah, 45 minute episodes. So I really don't know who it's for because I don't see a 10 year old child sitting through a 45 minute. Oh, it's Gillian Jacobs. I didn't know that. Uh, I think it's Jillian Jacobs, but whatever. whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's it's. I don't know. It's all right, I guess. Like, it's funny, but at the same time, I just don't know why I'm watching it when I'm watching it. So if that tells you anything. But that's really all I did for the week. I rewatched some things, so I won't talk about that. If we want to move on to the reviews, uh, what did you think about Punk, Young Thug's newest outing? Yeah, Thugger, dude. Uh, so Thugger. I really wanted to like it. But the resounding theme that aggravated me the most was this need for him to do, and of course it's called punk, so I get it, but these like guitar melodies without drums and just like sing and rap over them, I'm like, it is so modern, cringe, like, I just, I don't like it at all in rap, like, I need drums in my rap music, and I can't even remember the specific songs at this point now, but there were like three or four of them that, for like whole verses and choruses, and I think one of them, even the whole song, not one drum sound, literally just guitar and horns and rapping. And like the rap was supposed to, I guess, fill in the drum spaces, you know, but it just didn't work for me so there were several songs i liked but again it's kind of a long project so all in all i wasn't super keen on the album but it was good enough and there were great songs on it i just want to build upon your uh your topic of the guitar thing because if you're a young thug fan or you've been keeping up with young thug over the past i don't know he's been around a decade now or something you know give or take the last decade um i think this is him trying to almost pay tribute or almost an homage to his 2016, 2017 album, uh, Young Thugger Girls. It had a different Beautiful album. Thugger Girls? Come on, bro. Well, okay, so originally it was actually called Easy Breezy Beautiful Thugger Girls, uh, but he was about to get sued, so he changed it. So that's why I don't, under, you know, I don't really remember the title. But that album introduced the whole only guitar thing, uh, and I honestly think this is actually a kind of neat sequel to that album because that's that's where i think well not where he peaked but i think there was a really artistic side to young thug in that album it's like a lot of artistic innovation for him and like identifying himself separating himself from the pack like i get it's interesting i just personally like that's the one like it's like a big tiktok trend like there's this producer i'm forgetting his name but he's a famous producer um, and he's got a TikTok account, and basically he, like, finds all his rap buddies to, like, do one of their song verses over a ukulele. So he's just playing the ukulele, and then they're doing their verse. And sometimes it's great, but, like, to me it just sounds like a weird rendition of a rap song. It doesn't sound like a rap song. So when Thugger does it, I do the same thing. I go, sure, it's a fine Feels version. Like a, a first take <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It feels like you're in the booth with the homies, you found a melody but you forgot to make the song. <laughs> oh, see, well, in saying all this, I really didn't care for this album uh, because it did the thing where 
I think, I don't know, for the past month now, we've had artists just dig themselves into their own hole of their own talent. And it's just, mm -hmm. they don't branch out really at all. And in this case, it didn't really do it for me. Uh, I, I, I enjoy kind of the, the chill vibes of this album, but there's a severe lack in, in diversity. I mean, I just said, uh, I, I tried to think of a different word, but you know, you're getting diversity again. Uh, there's a severe lack of that. And there's not really a great, theme involved uh or if there is it's very hard to parse out when you're just listening to the album through uh it it does have a flow i suppose you know i, I guess i'll give it that i think there is a, a clear beginning clear middle clear end which you know i'll i'll, I'll give it that but uh i don't know 20 damn songs do yeah, you really, do you really long, need that man. It's, you need an hour of music like just do some cutting back like make it an out like Ugh, it just suffers it's you know what it is it's that same drake problem like you're just doing it for the streaming numbers and you yep. don't care that it's a mediocre song that you're adding to the album and it's yep. great like sure get the clicks you know really you need that future feature yeah you need the gunner feature yeah you need the j cole feature yeah you need they have rocky feature like i get it but do you need two gunner features no probably not <laughs> It's just throwing, you know, it's just throwing shit at a wall, seeing what sticks. And yeah. I, I do hate this current strategy that we've been seeing lately with, with big rappers, not really, uh, you know, B listers, but big rappers. Cause they know that people will stream some of the songs. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the beat selection's a little dry. I think the guitar motif is, uh, okay, but, uh, it, he uses it so many times in this album that it kind of wears thin by the end of it especially an hour of it. Um, I, 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 I do, I need to discuss and I need to talk about posthumous releases. That last song with Mac Miller, I, I, I guess it was fine, but this is just so, I hate this. I, I don't so, like this at all. So, you know, what's funny is um, I was in agreement with you until for some reason randomly on my TikTok, this a conversation with Young Thug popped up. It was like, you know, a media release thing about this album. And this song was recorded the day before Mac died. Just because you have a reason for it. I mean, I, I get it. I get that. That's great. There's very, there's sentimental value. I, to, I totally understand that. But it, it's just, it makes me feel weird giving money to, I don't know, a non-artist, you know what I mean? Like whoever's in charge of that artist's things and, yeah, so right know. now I believe with all of these like posthumous releases of Mac, the family's in charge of his estate, and the family sets a hundred percent of the proceeds to go to his charity that they established in his name. Okay, well, for Mac. Uh, yeah, so, like, I guess that's like, fine. Like, for for Mac Miller specifically, just because I fucking stand him and I know a little bit more about how these states handled, at least what they announced publicly about how these states handled. Um, but, like Mac Miller's parents and brother are like well off. Like his dad and brother are like architects or something. Like they're not like hurting for money or anything. That they're okay. Well, lecherous about his estate. Whereas like Lil Peep's family and uh, fucking uh, Pop Smoke's family, like yeah, those were a little bit more controversial. I was about to say, well, fine. You know what? I can excuse one posthumous feature, but how about two? Because Young Thug has Juice World on Juice this World, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. I, it's really weird, man. It, it feels like he's playing the fans or, you know, well, uh, milking I, the fans. I actually, see, I actually liked both those songs, though, and I really yeah, don't like Juice World. And I thought the Mac Miller verse was good. And then learning that it's titled Day Before because it was recorded the day before Mac died, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, shit. Shit. Yeah. Okay. You know, so like, and it, that's how this, 
song end or the album ends and if you like listen to that song it is kind of like uh like it is a finale it's yeah it, it's like, a cast so i'm like it's good um any favorite songs worst songs oh yeah uh i really liked icy hot with doja cat i uh, it's me too yeah me yeah too. i i doja really cat, dig that doja cat megan the stallion um uh who's the third female rapper i was naming the other day who was the third uh, well, I'm counting one, two, three. What's the third? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm a rage. Doja Cat. No, Doja <laughs> Cat and Megan Thee Stallion are, like, just can't miss recently. Like, there's not a song that they're on that I'm, like, not super excited about. Yeah. Uh, Icy Hot and I Really Like Stressed. I think that was the J. Cole one, I think. Huh? Yeah, J. Cole. I, you know what was special about the J. Cole one? Is J. Cole was fine on it. I actually really like T-Shine. I don't know who that guy is. Yeah. He was yeah. the other feature on it, but that's really stood out for me. I was like, Young Thug was okay, but Agreed. J. Cole and T Shine actually were like really strong on it. And just, um, and I think that was sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say speaking of features, I was gonna switch to I didn't like the Drake and Travis Scott song. That wasn't mm. it was me. I was okay on it. I put it in my likes because I was ready to talk about it if you were. Um I'm it's the classic Drake's on a thing, so it's gonna be one of the popular ones. And it sounds like a Drake, Travis Scott, Young Thug song should sound like. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't amazed by it, but it's definitely, like, you know, hardly does Drake plus Travis Scott miss, and then you add it on Young Thug, and, like, it's probably not going to be a bad song, you know, so. Yeah. Eh. I, I wasn't you know, about it, but. I won't attest to a lot of these songs being bangers, but, like, them standing out on their own and me adding them to, like, a separate playlist, that's a, it's kind of another question, because. I don't know. I don't think there was a there were a ton of those. Uh, I don't think there were a ton of offensive songs because I really don't think I hated any of the songs. I think this album is pretty listenable if you're just going for mediocre to good, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I don't have any offensive songs. Did you have any ones that you despised? Yes. Uh, so that was Recognize Real with Gunna because that was like one of the guitar ones without drum sounds. Ah, yes. The first one is uh, Gunna. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I was just like, why, man, why? And then the other one was the one with, um, I always mispronounce his last name, but Nate Royce, Roos, with uh, the, he's the guy from Fun. He's got that autotune oh. voice. It's like I... the third to last song. Awful, awful huh. crap. Garbage. I literally, I, I, I can't even... I'm looking at the track list right now, and it's like, okay, I can hear this song, hear this song, I can't hear that song in my head. So, I had no, I had no idea it was that guy. Yeah, he's I I knew immediately because I've listened to a lot of fun in my day, and no, just bad. Just uh, bad. last note, I want to talk about the album art because not bad, you know. I actually it's I thought cool. it was I thought it was really stupid at first, but the more you look at it, I'm like, well, okay, this is kind of cool. Because it does seem like he's trying to fuse past and modern thugger. There's some there's some art shit going on there, which I appreciate. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's an okay album, I guess. I guess okay is probably the, you know, thugger fans rejoice. I think if you love Young Thug, you will absolutely love this album. But if you're a normal person, eh, I'd, uh, I want to give this like a five, five or a six. Um. Yeah, I could go with a five TBH, but five 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 sounds fine. Yeah, uh, yeah, five five out of ten. Uh, Punk by Young Thug. Moving on to our movie, which is The Last Duel, uh, directed by Ridley Scott. See, I don't even have to look this one up because 
obviously right, it's really scott jesus christ uh written by matt damon ben affleck and somebody else i just saw three names and two of them were you know goodwill hunting so mm-hmm. i do you want to start or i, I can start or... I, I can definitely start but i don't know that i'll be able to stop so why don't you start if you know that you can give a quick rundown Okay, I will try. I will try. Okay, um, Ridley Scott, I think I think it's time to hang it up, buddy. I, I really do. Uh, because this is just the most Ridley Scott movie that's come out in a long time. It's got the same color palette that he's been using for at least 10 years. I, I, I swear, he's just got that gray, light blue, white, and black color palette. And it's just, that's it. That's all he knows anymore. That's all he can see. He doesn't... He doesn't see color anymore. It's just that specific color palette. And there's a lot going on within this movie, but I don't know if his direction or the three people that wrote this movie or the writing uh, really encompassed that or, or did it justice because I think this movie's trying to do something. I, I, I mean, with its, with its actual plot, I think it was trying to do something, but it missed the mark. I didn't get this movie. It felt like there was, it lacked nuance, you know? It had this really cool idea of having kind of a time loop or a story loop where you see, or, you know, you chip away more and more at the story and get to see the actual, you know, know, the big picture. And I really appreciate what it tried to do, but while you're watching, it just feels like a slog. It feels like things are heavy-handed. Uh, all the quote-unquote differences in scenes are just so overt that, duh, there's a big difference. It's not, it's not as though they were trying to be a little subtle with it and be, you know, make you realize that some of the scenes were different. It's, no, right. we're changing the whole aspect of the scene. We're changing the whole point of view so that is not the scene you saw before. And that doesn't work for me at all. Uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy the complexity it tried to have, but it really just came off simplistic in the end. Didn't really, yeah. I don't know. So I'll start. I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. I think Ridley Scott can hang it up. I agree yeah. with the color palette thing. Like, holy shit. Like I, I, and I had believed you, but I couldn't actually think of Ridley Scott movies in the last 10 years besides the Martian. So I was like, let me go through and look and I'll just name you. All the movies in the last 10 years. Wait, where the fuck? Oh, here it is. Um, Please do. With that color palette. So we have Alien Covenant. Oh, yeah. Exodus, Gods and Kings. Oh, yeah. That's the one I was thinking of. Prometheus. Yeah. (laughs) Robin Hood. Body of Lies. Robin Robin Hood Hood with, uh, yeah, uh, Russell Crowe. Oh, my God. That was Ridley Scott. Oh, man. (laughs) And Body of Lies. Leonardo DiCaprio, Russell Crowe. Like, all these movies. And that goes up to 2008. 2007's American Gangster, and that's a little different. But I was like, literally all the movies, man. Yeah, holy crap. I did not realize that, actually. Like, that just makes my comparison even more true in my brain. But, yeah. Whew, so, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm, and so I agree with the whole, the nuances weren't that nuanced. It also felt like a bunch of straight white men telling a woman's story. Yeah. Which, I was not happy about particularly, and it'd leave it to a bunch of straight white men to make the crux of the issue and f- show it on screen at least twice. Twice. A graphic rape. Twice. Like, no thank you. No yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No thank you. I see the whole time Once that was. Is maybe okay. Maybe. Twice? Yeah. I'm like, 
this is gratuitous. This is like uncomfortable. And yeah, maybe oh, rape's supposed to be uncomfortable. I'm like, bro, you're a straight white man. You've never been raped. You've never even been in a situation where you might have thought you've been. You know, just stop. Just stop, please. Literally, like, the only thing I could think about when those scenes were popping up, I was like, man, a woman should have done this. I feel like I would feel less gross right now. Yeah, uh, it would be a lot more tasteful. And so, if we ignore the plot issues that I had, yeah, let's ignore them. How about the goddamn? English accent for French people. <laughs> and then on top of that whole yeah. issue that I have where everyone's just English because it's France, why not? Why can Matt Damon not do a British accent? Uh, he slipped out of a British accent no fewer than 10 times. I stopped counting at 10. I honestly, why did he look like a fucking hillbilly from fucking Appalachia? Okay. <laughs> like the whole thing. Yeah. Ugh. So I I just want to say the one positive about this movie is the technicality aspects like the costume design and the set design, I think were phenomenal, but that doesn't save a bad movie. Um, So I want to say I really liked Matt Damon's hillbilly Kentucky look and uh, Ben Affleck's blonde uh, kind of King Richard look. I really like those two things, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Matt Damon. I didn't know he was doing an accent, man. I had no, I just think he's speaking Matt Damon Damon words. (laughs) And then occasionally he would say with an English accent, you go, Oh, he, right. He's a, I bet it mm, fuck me. It was so aggravating. I, I like it's Ridley Scott. It's like four huge actors and actresses at least. Mm. Why can't you fucking learn a little bit of French? Like, is it really like, there's no way the French accent could be more embarrassing than trying a British accent and failing miserably. Yeah. You know? I guess I mean or, or, I didn't really just make think it American. That, yeah. If you all just keep American accents, that's then my I don't thing. feel it's as egregious as doing a British accent when it, everyone is French. Yeah, that's my thing. If you have three Americans as your main cast and uh Jodie Comer, I'm not sure if she's American yeah. or not, but if you have at least three English. out of if you have at least three out of four is American. Why not just keep it? Everybody's American. And I don't know, just keep the American accent because this movie, I think this movie had a really hard time deciding if it wanted to be accurate or if it wanted to be Shakespearean. And in doing so, in being so confused about whether it wanted to be one of those two things, it came off as neither of those things because the script didn't feel very accurate. You know, when compared to, when compared to recent period pieces by uh, uh, Robert Eggers, the guy who does The Witch and The Lighthouse, compared to his scripts and how accurate they feel, this movie just came off as a cheap play script almost. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my only pro to this movie were... Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck's character. His performance was fine. It did the character well. But I think the character that Ben Affleck played, whatever the count, um, was good. Mm-hmm. And then I thought... Adam Driver's performance, mm-hmm. character mit, but performance great. Like a, this is the first time I've really felt like Adam Driver was a good actor. And no, I know that's a controversial phenomenal. opinion. I know that that's a controversial opinion, but this is the first time where I went like, "Wow, this guy doesn't feel like Adam Driver to me. He was playing a completely unique character." Yeah, um, uh, Jacques or whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'll definitely agree. Ben <laughs> Affleck and Adam Driver carried this movie. Um. But yeah, I really don't have much else to say because I really just hated it. Um, I did like the three act thing was cool. The repeating time from different perspectives was cool. But again, everything you said was apt. That it 
fell short of all the things it was trying to do. It lost its way in the writing and how it wanted to present itself. So all in all, I was very, very underwhelmed. Like, even recently, like The Green Knight, yeah. more Arthurian, obviously, not necessarily medieval, but it is medieval technique. You know what I mean? I think the English comparison medieval. can be made, yes. But, like, that really grounded itself in that era, and that really set itself up to be theatrical and movie-like. And, like, again, the Arthurian legend stuff where, like, those weird giants, it was captivating, it was intriguing. You, like, had this, like, mystery element of confusion and magic. This just felt like a stage play mm. that was done by shitty American actors for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they're not shitty American actors. You know, they're decent American actors to really good American actors. But, like, I'm, I, I, you know what? Even if Ridley Scott doesn't hang it up, this is my call for Matt Damon to hang it up. <laughs> I mean, you know. I am. I like. I was thinking, what's that fucking oil movie he was just in? <laughs> I don't even know. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't. And know. like, and he was also in like Ford vs Ferrari, and like downsizing. Yeah. Like he's just been in a lot of just shit movies. I think it all started like, with the Adjustment Bureau. I think that was his the, down. The Great Wall. Oh yeah, that? China movie. That China yeah. movie. Yeah, China movie. <laughs> that is the China movie in my brain. Um, yeah. Like I don't know, man. I just like, what are you doing, man? You're too rich. Just fucking just quit. Just no quit. one no one would complain. We promise. We promise, Mr. Damon. <laughs> no one would complain if you knew when to retire. But uh, I, I want to kind of wrap up my review and my thoughts on this movie by saying I don't think I would hate this movie as hard if it wasn't made by a director who's been making movies for 70 goddamn years. Uh, you know, older than probably more than half the people that saw this movie. Uh, you know, uh, it, it just feels so dated. It feels so really Scott that there's nothing new to this. It's not, there's no ingenuity other than maybe like we've been talking about the story yeah, structure. How old he is? 88, I bet. 83. Oh shit. Close. Well, yeah, he's Clint Eastwood age pretty much. Uh, and, and I mean, you no, know, Clint I, Eastwood's like 89, isn't he? I thought we went over this. Well, at least he doesn't feel the need to shoehorn his own face into his movies like Clint Eastwood, so I will give Ridley Scott that, at least. Well, Clint Eastwood's 91. How do I keep forgetting Jesus, that? Jesus, man. Uh, <laughs> every time I hear it. But, yeah, like, all the close-up shots and the half-close-ups, and I want to say the action. Ridley Scott's direction now, when it comes to action shots, is pretty atrocious. Is that just me? You know, mm. when, when they had the battle of the, uh, the, the Moog, or the Bogue, and they oh. had the trench battle. Yeah. It just felt so old. You know, you know, when he slices somebody, it's kind of out of shot so that the choreography can be a little sloppier, which I get technically that's probably better, but it just, just comes off as me. awful. In at least the first act where Matt Damon's perspective makes him the hero and the guy who saves Adam Driver's life, that first scene where his horse is crossing the water and he slices down the dude's neck and gut blood gushes out, uh-huh. CGI blood. Yeah. What? CG blood, like awfully rendered CG blood. I was like, I from that moment, that was the first. Boop, I was like, this movie's gonna be bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it continued to be bad. I will say the second act really changed. Like, I was ready to give this like a two or a three. 
from the first act. That's just Adam Driver's prowess. <laughs> yes, yes. The second act really made up for some of the gaps in the plot, obviously because it was only a third of the way done. It made up for some of the poor acting. It made up for some of the weird um, accent shit I had. It didn't fix any of it, but it did make up for a little bit. So, you know, I, I, I'm ready to give it a score if you are. I had a five. Yeah. Because I, I guess there is a movie here, but like I said... If you've been making movies for 70 years, you really shouldn't be making a movie. You know, right. you should be making a good movie. And, and, and yeah. for, I would say that a five falls under the threshold of recommendation. I'd say like six, five means like you could probably watch it once. You know, like I, I would still sell someone. It's a decent enough movie. It's worth your money. A five is like, in my opinion, only if you have a strong tie or reason to go watch this. Like you really like medieval movies. You really like Ridley Scott. You really yeah. like fucking uh what the two dudes their partnership damon and affleck like yeah. goodwill if, hunting if, you really like goodwill yeah. hunting yeah exactly <laughs> if you don't like those things then you're probably not gonna like this at all or if you enjoy nuances and sort of interesting characters yeah and yeah yeah, yeah, good yeah. Plots. uh this is not the movie so yeah five out of ten from the worst critics and we will see you next week on episode 52 of the worst critics Woo-hoo. Yeah, I want to interject here real quick. Oh, uh, so quick. 52 weeks uh, means a year, so a uh, special episode. Congratulations for everyone. Thank everyone for listening. Um, and also, you'd shouted them out before, and you'd said, like, the D.C. area. I said D.C. Baltimore area. I know, I know, but from the looks of it, it's actually a small city called Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, wow. That's actually, like, a bulk of that red circle. So shout out to you if you're in Ashburn and listening to this. You're dope. That whole um, area. You know what? East Coast. Shout out to the East Coast. Sorry, West yeah. Coasters. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, 52 weeks. It's dope. Woohoo. Applaud us, please. You know, you can pat us on the back. But uh, yeah, we will see you on episode 52 next week where we will be reviewing the new Dune movie and Mac Miller's old new mixtape Faces. That, of course, has been the worst critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And we're out of here.